Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bear Droppings, a Sikkim 365 podcast on faith, family, and following Baylor athletics. I'm Curtis Schroeder. My co-host and brother-in-law, Jeremy Johnson, is with me for episode 60, and you can catch nice. us on Sikkim365.com. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, wherever and however you like to listen. Well, Jeremy, Bear Droppings took a, a bit of a bye week of our own, I guess you could say, maybe two bye weeks to be exact, but uh, we're back. We're better than ever here. We're recording in advance of the West Virginia game. Uh, we've got a lot of exciting things on the horizon. Basketball season's just around the corner. Nice. Yep. Uh, it is a, a pretty much one of my favorite times of year, and it's not just because my birthday was a week and a half ago either. That's yeah. Happy it. birthday. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Oh, it's subtle. <laughs> <laughs> just let me throw that in there. But uh, speaking of things to be excited about, man, how are you? It's been it really. It's been like three weeks. So yeah, we, it's we've been it's on. been uh, forever. And I don't even remember if we talked about this on our last episode because it was so incredibly long ago. Um, but I, I think I talked about my deck project on the the last episode. Did I? Did I? Talk I think about you may it? have teed it up. I don't know if we really talked in much depth. Maybe you should, should give the recap. Yeah. So basically, part of the reason that I've been out of pocket is because I've been building a deck. Um, yes. And so a little over a year ago, we bought a great house up here in Philadelphia. But even though we back up to gorgeous, beautiful woods, there was no deck. And so uh, my dad, uh, Uncle Rebel, um, a guy from a couple guys from church and uh, my brother-in-law up here uh, helped me build a deck. And so that's what I've been doing. And it's all done. And it's been amazing. So um, I, I don't want to build another deck anytime I was, soon. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like you know, I've tried to reach out a couple times just to you know, be like, hey, I've been how's it going? And, and I'm like, I, I don't know. If may, maybe he's got a lot going on. Maybe maybe yeah. it's a deck. Maybe I said something. I'm not really <laughs> sure. But so was it was it a pretty huge task, it sounds like. Yeah, it was way more work than I thought it would be, mostly because um, – you know, the township up here was pretty strict. So we had to get a initial approval. That was harder than I thought. Then there were three inspections of the deck, which is just kind of crazy to me. Um, and they were serious about it, you know, like so before, I had to docu- during after type thing or like at multiple uh, points they came the out to check it. Once the holes were dug, they wanted to see that the, the holes were really three feet deep. <laughs> they, and there were 10 holes for oh uh, a 12 by 16 deck. Wow. <laughs> It's not going they, anywhere. They didn't want it to be connected to the house, so it's technically a freestanding deck, even though it, it touches the house, but not in a load-bearing capacity. Wow. And then they came out to check it when it was framed and then when it was all done. Wow. So it's been fun. I have learned so much just because uh, I've never built a deck before, and any construction I do is in the DR where there's no code and there we don't have the right parts, the right materials. <laughs> or the right tools. Nothing. And so to like build up here to code, uh, to ha- have your plan approved and then to have like these communists come in and inspect my deck, it's just <laughs> been, it's been crazy, but I've learned a lot. And uh, uh, it was, it was very rewarding when the inspector came out and he was like, uh, yeah, this is a beautiful deck. He's like, uh, he called it a bug out deck a that it was out. like so rigid. Like if there was a storm or a zombie apocalypse, like you'd bug out to the deck. Oh my gosh. Uh, so, so that was nice. So I'll have to have, uh, Caleb Marsh, uh, Baylor fan up here in uh, Philly, have to have him over. So, well, it sounds like you probably need to host the next like Baylor Philadelphia watch party. 
Yeah, yeah, on my deck where people won't die if we have like 30 people and, and their pet elephants hang out. So The house may fall over faster the than house. the deck will. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So Well, uh, and I, I feel like I, I lived a little bit vicariously as I was seeing photos posted, mostly yeah. by your mom and your dad later on, like after it was over. But like it, they told me that you may have had to have a couple start stops along the way with yeah, a couple it was, pieces of it. Yeah, it was so frustrating. Uh you know, it was bad weather, and then, like, we uh, got a, a couple major details wrong, and then uh, <laughs> we also didn't have all of the decking and the materials that we needed, and that was actually the mistake of the lumberyard, so oh it was just, it was crazy. So it should have been finished in one weekend, but uh, I'm pretty excited. I got the whole deck built start to finish in a week and a half so. did you pose that any foes to twitter not to twitter uh i will do that i will do that you should i, I think people will want to see your your handiwork yeah i did it on facebook and uh it's a beautiful deck you know if things don't work out in the, the pastoral <laughs> I've had, role I've had here, that thought. <laughs> you know you might be you might be building decks here could be like a tent making gig that's what i'm thinking that's i ever have I'm to thinking. go part-time well speaking of 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 new gigs i just wonder if we, maybe you could Share a little bit about why you've been busy lately. Yeah, it's been a busy couple of weeks for me too. I I was actually unemployed last week. Believe That's it right, or not, yeah, it would have been a actually, good week to record for you. <laughs> it was a, it was a great would well yes and no. Uh, it, it was funny. I you know I teach on Monday night, so I uh, came into class that Monday night, and I was like, guys, I have some news to share. Like as of today, I'm unemployed, and they like I gave I gave it a good like five seconds for them to be like. Oh my gosh, what is what's wrong with this man? <laughs> but really, it was just because I was switching jobs and just because of the moving pieces with it, I got a whole week off. Which I was trying to think back, like, are when you are in college, I feel like you don't fully appreciate the moments of time where you literally have no responsibility on your plate. Yeah, like like winter breaks, like you got nothing. Class is over. You've got more classes coming in two, three weeks, sometimes four weeks. You've got nothing holding you down. Like those were moments that I just like wanted to live in again. I feel like as an adult, you rarely get them. And if, and candidly, of course, even with a, a week off of work, it's not like I didn't have any responsibilities. With three kids, you always have responsibilities. But um, you know, it it was just one of those moments where you kind of took a deep breath, which it ended up being really restorative in that way. But yeah, so I, I started just a new role just a couple days ago. It's going great. Uh, I'm I'm drinking from the fire hose, but it's it's been really good. It's a, it's a role that I think I'll I'll really enjoy and I'd be happy to share more if anybody really cares about what I'm doing. But um, in the bye week, I, I'll say I feel like in addition to getting to spend some really good time with with Deshay, with my wife, with the kids, Sadie, Peyton, and Brooks, I, I had this kind of crazy to do list of things to, <laughs> to to knock off, and it just like kept getting longer and longer as my time at my old company got shorter and shorter. Thought, oh, hey, well, here's something we could do next year that we've been putting off, or next week that we've been putting off. So everything from like changing purchasing and changing air filters in the house changing out light bulbs uh checking tires changing the swing height on our on our uh on our uh, swing set <laughs> killing fire ant hills replacing sprinkler heads um selling things on craigslist i mean it was just like it was a week of activities but the big thing that like has been on our plates and you're seeing it now because we're sitting here recording and we 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 view each other we look at each other while we're while we're doing this through through google hangouts by the um, way with that kind of goatee thing you got going you look a little like tom herman right now stop it no you should never that's for, like never a comparison you should make to me sorry ever. sorry i was thinking 
something a little bit more rigid and mainly than that. But uh, I'll, I'll come I up with a better. Can't example get that for image you. of him swinging a sledgehammer out of my mind. <laughs> Every time I'm looking Every at you. Every time I look at you. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh, now I'm not going to, I don't even know where I was going. No, I do. I do know where I was going. Speaking of like construction projects, like we are sitting, I am sitting in an attic closet a little as we speak, because this has been my workplace for the last two and a half months or so, because we moved homes and with three kids like running around working from home, I had to find a place that was quiet. And this was literally the only spot until we have this big like barn structure outside of our house that we're going to be building out to be my office eventually and be kind of like a guest house thing. Uh, but it's just taken forever to kind of get resolution and, and get the steps to, to move forward on it. So we just got news this afternoon. It looks like we are starting that Lord willing, fingers crossed in like a week and a half. Nice. Will kick nice. Off. So I'm hopeful by mid December that that thing is wrapped up but until then we are sitting in the, in the attic space recording and and this is where I spend 40 plus hours a week as yeah. it is now but. one of us has a pretty office and then the other is in an attic but but it's not going to be that way for long that's just i mean tom herman be- sitting in the attic <laughs> baylor baylor jeremy sitting in the 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 church room with the or the church office with the bookshelves lining the walls and oh man oh man Well, should we get into it? Yeah, let's get into it, man. So the weather is going to be cold uh, this time tomorrow night when Baylor faces off against West Virginia in Morgantown. And so it got me thinking about um, just how cold it will be and also um, what your coldest sports memory might be. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to just leave this as your – pose this question as an athlete like it could be your coldest sports memory as a fan um because i think tomorrow it's gonna get a little nippy outside i think it will be i think it's supposed to be like in the 40s right frosty all whites which is cool because it's not just white helmets i believe if that video was accurate it's going to have the chrome gold helmets uh or face masks which is interesting because are they going to be using old helmets basically from previous years do you understand no, what i'm asking i think you're i think i understand what you're asking but i think they actually the face masks are totally detachable so i think you can just add those in as an accessory i don't think okay. i think it, i think that's the case it was an older helmet in the video that's the it was it I ask yeah no so i think that, that makes be, sense we just had a nerd moment so that's what <laughs> that's what happened there nerding out about the uniforms but we are w- wearing frosty whites tomorrow because it's going to be cold and Curtis, do you have any sports memories that stand out to you, either as a player or a fan, uh, when it was frosty cold? I do. I need to put a pin in something real quick so that we can make sure to come back at it at some point, whether it's this week or next week. But there is the rumor flying around that Sailor Bear is going to make its way onto the helmet for the homecoming game in a week and a half. Yep. Yeah. yeah so yeah. we definitely need to talk about that and nerd out on that at some point. Yes. But back to your point, uh, coldest memories, you know, I, growing up in Denver, playing sports like you know the, the sports where it would get ridiculously cold you're talking about basketball so we're indoors anyway so i, I remember many uh cold trips to um you know high school or middle school gyms to play basketball and the walking from your car inside yep. and wearing shorts because we didn't really have you know true warm-up 
suits as, as we would have liked back in middle school days. But um, so I remember m- a lot of that. But so, I, but as an athlete, yeah, I remember playing some pretty cold baseball games, in particularly in high school. And your hands are just, you know, you're just you're just ice cubes out there. But I will say, like the most memorable coldest sports memory as a fan, like I can pinpoint, I didn't have to think twice about it. Opening day, Colorado Rockies, 1995. Yep. Philadelphia Phillies. It was 95 or 96, one of those two. I was nine or 10 years old. And the Phillies came to town. My uncle had season tickets. And this is like right when Coors Field opened. So actually it may have been 96 because I think it was the first year was 95. It was open. I think it was the second year at Coors Field. But he had had uh, season tickets to the Rockies game. And it was like always a treat when Uncle Alan asked you to go to a Rockies game. And usually it was during like the school day or something like that. So like, I don't know. I don't know how your family was about this, but did you ever get pulled out of school to like go to a game or to do something no, Curtis, we were never pulled out of school. You were never to do pulled out of school. Fun. In fact, <laughs> we were sent to school when we were sick and a detriment to everyone else's health. So, so no, we didn't get pulled out to go to a baseball game. <laughs> but go ahead, tell us how cold you were. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how cool it was. It was cool parents. I had cool parents. No, it's, 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 I'm pretty it. sure my parents sent me to school with a concussion. <laughs> no, my parents my parents sent me to school many times. My mom was a pediatric nurse. And so she was like, if you're not like legitimately about to die, you're going to you're going to school. But for baseball games with Uncle Alan, it was like a special treat. So I can only count oh, a handful of times. To that. Well, fine. You can just you can just live vicariously through this great story then. <laughs> so I mean, I remember like this was on the books. Opening day game, like when you know about opening day game and you've been invited to it, it's, it's weeks or months in the making. Like I remember Alan, Uncle Alan asking me about it, um, kind of making plans for it. And then, you know, back then it's not like we had like the weather app that, and I was nine years old. So I'm not even like monitoring the news or anything. So so I'm not, yeah. I mean, what am I doing back then? I'm like, I'm like on the little tykes. uh, It's not like they had weather reports back then. It was the mid nineties for crying out loud. I mean, come on. What kind of technology do we even have in the nineties? But I, I literally remember like the hype for that day. And then all of a sudden it was like snow in the forecast, like not just like normal snow, like blundery nasty blizzardy snow and we powered our way through about five or six innings and you were just you're out there i mean just i mean there's nobody in the stands and they're trying they're they're playing because it's not like lightning or anything they can they can still play through it but i remember bailing out in the sixth sixth inning or so um and then going back to my uncle's house and like finishing the game on tv next to his fire like so i kind of got the the coldest sports memory as a fan and then with a really kind of uh warm memory to wrap it up so that's that was it and taking down your philadelphia phillies that that opening day game as well (laughs) yeah i mean mine's mine's kind of similar actually i mean it wasn't snow um and it wasn't during the school day i imagine (laughs) it wasn't but um i'm trying to think when this would have been this is probably um i think i was married i'm pretty sure i was married so it would have been in the last five years but i got invited to um an eagles um thursday night uh game okay and i think it was pretty late in the season i mean probably this time of year um well probably a little further in the season and uh, nobody was really there because the Eagles had had such an awful season. <laughs> already out of it at that point. And we were already out of it. Exactly. And so um, I, I I got tickets to go with a guy from church, and the tickets were on the third level. 
and I think during the day it had been like a nice day, like in the the lower fifties, high upper forties. And so I just wore a fleece to the game, not oh, thinking no. that it was going to get like seriously cold. Because <laughs> I told myself, you know, I'm a tough guy. Right. I'm a football guy. I'm a I'm guy. Philly. I'm, a Philly. I'm, a, I'm fine. Bel- Belichick just wears like a cut off sweatshirt. Like right. he and I are basically the same. <laughs> like this will be fine. And I, 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 I almost died of hypothermia. It was awful. It was horrible. You know, it's windy. You're not moving. Uh, the 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 cold sets in and like your bones start to hurt and so i the fans in situations like that honestly in terms of the cold they have it worse than the players cuz at least the players are moving around um, they've got heating elements most of these days got, on the on the yeah, ground the benches are are warm um so you know you going to the locker room at halftime i mean what are, <laughs> it's kind of, they're kind of wusses really is what it comes down to <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it definitely left an indelible mark on me because uh, I don't see myself going to any like cold sporting events. Like, I'm good now. Soon. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I mean, I, I look at these idiots and that's what I think they are. I look at these idiots at like Lambeau Field that like don't wear like shirts and, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the fro- it's the frozen tundra. They're out there. It's sub freezing temperatures and I just don't get it. I don't. I don't get it at all. You know, I'd much rather watch at home. That's right. Uh, or in, that, in, in the comfort case. from the comfort of like a really nice fall Central Texas outdoor experience. Or know? that. Or that. I don't. But, I, I really don't remember it being like. There's been some pretty cold Baylor games in history, and I. I'm even thinking back. I mean, I went to. I think I said it on on the last podcast we were at when we were talking about college game day experiences. I went to the coldest game in Notre Dame football history back in. 01 or 02 or something like that when they played Stanford. But I remember sitting in a game with your dad. It was the OU game maybe three years ago at McLean. And our season, our tickets are right underneath the overhang of like the, the upper overhang. So it was literally, it was pouring rain. I don't know that it was that cold, but it was pouring rain and my knees got wet, but the none, none of my body got wet. Like that's where we sat is that it was, it was, <laughs> We were right on the line. Like one more row up and we would have been totally dry. One more down and we would have been totally drenched. But my knees got wet. And the the OU uh, fans that were kind of down in front of us to the right had to go buy Baylor warm <laughs> gear just to stay warm. Like they had driven it from OU and they were leaving with Baylor jackets. So it kind of, it kind of felt like we were sticking it to them just a little bit. Like, yeah, that's right. Come to a cold game without a jacket. You're going to buy Baylor stuff. Sucker. Oh, man. I love it. Well, let, hey man, let's let's talk a little bit about the game. Uh, yeah, we're recording this on on a Wednesday night, uh, and what 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 if the West Virginia game got a little weird? Would that be like, a good thing or a bad thing for Baylor? Well, let's clarify what weird is. <laughs> okay, let me let, let's start with the fact that it's a Thursday game. Okay, that's okay. weird. And that is weird. Any and all night games doesn't matter if it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. Night games in Morgantown are weird. Yep. So, is it is it a good thing for Baylor being the underdog if things got weird? Because I think yeah. I think when we think of Morgantown as being weird, we're also thinking about Baylor under Bryles when we were always favored to win there. Yeah. And it was like, oh no, we're gonna go to Morgantown, and it things get weird in Morgantown which is bad if you're the favorite. That's a good point. 
That's a good point. So when when I initially heard you say weird, I'm thinking like weird, like is this game out of control? Like are we getting kicked in the teeth or are we blowing the doors off? But no, I, no, I, th- I think it could get weird like that. I it I think that offense, what you have to be worried about is falling down three, yeah. fa- falling three touchdowns down in the at the end of the first quarter. I mean, right? That that's a version of it getting weird that I don't like. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think I think what you're saying that the weirdness is where you've got a irregular scheduled game, irregular circumstances that open up the door for less than normal preparation things to happen, I suppose. Or you know, yeah, just well, that. and here here's another reason why it's weird is because last week was a buy for us. We've had more time to prepare for this game schematically, right? Than West Virginia has, even right. though it's a Thursday game and we're traveling across the country. So, you know, it, I, I kind of like where our bye week fell because I agree. I, I, we're going to have more time to prepare for um, Oklahoma State after this game because it's a Thursday game. So it just, I think it works on a couple of different levels for Baylor. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, to- I totally agree. And I think if we start talking about, the way that weirdness favors one of the teams, I think in the best way or the, you know, the most likely way it probably favors the underdog at some level, because I think it's, it's where you catch a team off guard. And like you're saying, I think the abnormality of the way the bye week fell and this game fell, we've got more time where we've been able to rest up a little bit more, get some people healthy, get a little bit more into schemes and preparation probably than in a normal week. And I think you know you've got an opportunity to come out and jump all over a team in a, in kind of a fresh way that they're coming off a really short week after having lost a big game to Iowa State this last week. So if we go in and blow the doors off, I think obviously that's great for Baylor. That's certainly a good thing for Baylor. If we get kicked in the teeth, I don't think it's overly problematic at this point. I don't know if this is the angle that you were going to take with it, but like here's the, here's the deal. It all it all goes back to what we talked about a few weeks ago and. It's it's what is the measure of success? If we're worried about pride, <laughs> uh, our pride's hurt if we lose a game, especially on the road in a place like Morningtown, then we've probably got some other issues to deal with. But I, I feel like that pride door has been checked at the checked at the door, or that pride jacket has been checked at the door in some regard. So they've got nothing to lose coming into this game. So for me, like thinking about the good and the bad, to me, this is an opportunity to kind of dive into the what is ultimately going to be the true measure of success this year and it's getting to a freaking bowl game and so yeah. i don't i don't think a loss this week is really that big of a deal but it certainly could be a turning point if it is a win um it can become a huge momentum gain in that run so but I've, I've had this game as an l on the calendar all year um i feel better about this week than i have all year long so i, I i'd love to be surprised but I, I think only a win helps a loss doesn't really hurt us that bad do you feel the same way yeah i don't think this is must win but i do think we have a chance to win and I do wonder how much we're going to be able to take away from Iowa State's game plan and yeah. and how much we're able to to implement from, from that. Because um, the, the air raid that we're going to see with West Virginia here um, scares me. And it scares me because I don't want to have happened to us what Baylor did to everyone for so many years under Bryles and, and to be on the opposite end of it just – really stings at this point so and you're legitimately um, just trying to score score faster and score more often like that's your, yeah. that's your only strategy here like that's that's all they've been able to do in the past yeah so i just don't want anything weird to happen and i don't think we're gonna sleepwalk into this game because 
you know, obviously we're not favored to 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 win. So we're I mean we're going to be taking West Virginia seriously. Um, I do wonder who comes into Morgantown more motivated to win because, you know, obviously West Virginia gets a loss against Iowa State. Are they processing this like, well, now our season's ruined and, you know, where do we go from here? Or is this now uh, a really motivated West Virginia team thinking, okay, no more losses from here on out because we want to win the Big 12 championship? So, um, you know, I think Baylor's going to be very motivated, but I'm interested to see how West Virginia comes out. Yeah. Uh, and once they get punched in the mouth by Baylor after losing to Iowa State last week, I, I'm just wondering how they'll respond. Who's more motivated? Yeah. I mean, I think on one hand, you got the Baylor team that's coming off of what was a tough loss. I don't I don't think many people picked Baylor to win that game for sure. Right. But you got a chance in the closing seconds to to not just tie but beat a pretty good Texas team on the road, and you can't get the job done in, in that moment. That's not a, a critique uh, in any way. But hey, you've got a, a shot to win. You can't and you don't get it done. But you give them a week and a half to to get like we just said, get more healthy, get rested up, uh, be a little bit longer in the game plan for West Virginia. I, I don't know. I think the carrot in front of Baylor for this game is a little bigger than some people may be giving them credit for. Uh, because yeah. of how those things fall. But on on the other hand, you're coming off a week where West Virginia was number six in the nation. They're, they were undefeated going into Iowa State on the road. And, and frankly, they got embarrassed. So I, I'd say there's a ton of motivation that comes from the West Virginia sideline. So I'd actually give them the edge in terms of motivation this week. They were held to like, it was like 150 yards, I think, on offense. And I think they were shut out in the second half. And this is one of the the top, arguably the top, if not one of the top offenses in the Big 12. And, and Will Greer is like a, a, being touted as a Heisman candidate. So I think there's a lot. You, you alluded to it. There's a lot for them to live for in the Big 12 still. They still have Texas and Oklahoma on the calendar. They've got pretty much full control of their destiny, specifically in terms of the Big 12 championship side of it. So I think they come out at, at home on a night game on a Thursday night coming off of uh, a pretty difficult loss to Iowa State last week. I think I think they'll be pretty motivated. Yeah, I I, I think that's right. But I, I'm really hoping that we can take uh, some things that we learned from our game against them in Waco last year where you remember – we battled back in that game in the second half, and I realized yeah, got it done. I realized that West Virginia got more conservative in the second half of that game. But if we can take some things that we've learned from them uh, in the game last year, paired with things that that uh, came to light from the, their game against Iowa State last week, paired with a step forward after the Texas game, which obviously no one here believes in moral victories, but you have to be excited about the way that Baylor showed they could they could play with Texas. Yeah. Um, I think Texas is still overrated, but we we absolutely played with them. I would say outplayed them, uh, and we deserved to win that game, in my in my view. Even after uh, shooting yourself in the foot multiple times. Like we that's right. Still that's right. And so years. I'm just interested to see how Baylor goes on the road. Um, I, I think our schedule did us a nice favor with this bye week though, because we're not yeah. going to go in underprepared. If we I lose, agree with that. I think it's because um, West Virginia is better than us. And I just hope we don't get throttled in the first quarter, because if we, if we can survive the second quarter, I think that the second half is going to be really interesting. Yeah. And that's, I think where your weirdness comes in 
You're, yeah, you're, you're no weirdness in the second quarter. <laughs> no right. weirdness in the last five minutes of the first half. Well, and we've seen it even this season. Like it gets out of hand fast. It can get out of hand really, really fast. So playing consistent, and this is where I, I don't particularly mind the brand of football where we're slowing it down and being a little bit more deliberate with, particularly on offense. I think it gives us the opportunity to cut out some of the weird factor a bit. Uh, and maybe we can take advantage of some of that on, from the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, if you think about the game this weekend, or this weekend, it's tomorrow night, I and mean, this is going to be released, it's going to be today that when people are listening to this. But if you could choose one Baylor player, offense, defense, whichever you want, that that's going to be the difference maker because they've got a breakout performance, who who do you think that would be and, and why are you leaning on him? Okay, uh, I'm going to say two. I didn't ask for two. So I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna answer the question you should have asked. Uh, my heart says squirrel. My my head says Jamichael Hasty. Okay, uh, so you're going running back here. Yeah, yeah. I think um, if if you don't, if our listeners are are paying attention, if you don't listen to the Fast uh, Friday podcast with Craig Smoke and uh, um, Grayson. Uh, you really ought to. You just avoided saying Grayson's last name, did you? No, I didn't. I wanted yes, you to did. I, did I, <laughs> I wanted to. Don't, don't you don't dare test call me, me man. Out. Don't test me. Don't you dare call me out. No, but I think it was Grayson that made the point uh, that we are three and zero in games where we rushed for over 150 yards. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's the stat. If it's not that stat. It's something similar to that. <laughs> it sounds the point great, is, regardless. we should run the ball. Yeah. And and if we run the ball well, um, I think that plays into time of possession uh, and obviously keeping um, a prolific offense and a Heisman candidate quarterback in Will Greer off the field. So I think it would be really cool for things to get weird in a pro Baylor way tomorrow with Squirrel. I think that would be awesome. That's what yeah. my heart wants. Realistically, I think if Jamichael, who is a bad man, if he if he has an incredible game on Thursday night, then I, I really like Baylor's chances to win this game. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting because they play that 3-3 stack. Uh, and that's going to be really interesting to see how our our offensive line matches up against against that and if it, we're able to get to the second level uh shed shed block uh you know the defen- defensive lineman and create holes for for jamichael hasey so that's that's the guy that i want to have a breakout performance that i think gives us the best chance to win i think that's good i'll answer my own question with with two then as well and i'm going to take you one one plus uh, even in that regards i'm going to just say an individual i'm going to say a group of individuals <laughs> just that is I'm, I'm allowed to do whatever i want to my own question so shove it uh but uh, so you know my my heart in the ra- well actually no the rational side of me is saying the offensive line needs to have a breakout performance because i think that's constantly been uh hitching our giddy up on, on all phases of the offense all year. And so to, for the, that group to have a breakout performance enables Squirrel or Jamichael to have a breakout game. So I think that's a, an essential piece of it. But I'm going to go to wide receiver on this one. And um, I think a guy like Tyquan Thornton actually has a chance to, to make this a breakout game for himself. Um, one, you're just yeah. coming out into a, a later game of the season. You've, you've had some experience. You've had some exposure. 
you've made some great plays. You've dropped a couple plays that would have been great plays. Uh, even that touchdown catch against UT, I mean, that would have been a game changer in a lot of ways. Um, we're dropped in, uh, in that diving catch in the end zone. So I think he's going to have a unique opportunity. And I think it's because mostly just how stacked our wide receiver core is. I was talking to somebody just this last week and, you know, it was kind of reaffirming the thought that we both, we both have had where I think we'd put this wide receiver core up against any wide receivers in the big 12, you know, particularly you know, from a top three capacity. And in none of those conversations are we really talking about Tyquan Thornton. Who, mm. who may have the potential to be the next top guy in a year or two years, right? So I think yeah. when you've got a defense that's keying in on Jalen Hurd and keying in on Denzel Mims and keying in on Chris Platt, it actually opens up the opportunity for a guy like Tyquan Thornton to have a really big game, especially early. And that, to me, is like where you jump on them quick. You jump on them early. You catch them off guard, get them out of what they've been preparing for. It's not that they don't know Tyquan Thornton, but where are you going to double up? Where are you going to provide extra cover? You're going to be coveraging, double covering on on Jalen Hurd and on yeah. Denzel Mims because they burn you if you don't. So yeah. that's going to open up for really our, our, our younger guys, a guy like Tyquan Thornton to get over the top, make a couple big plays, and, and potentially get us out to a really fast start or, or help us kind of put, push the pedal down maybe midway through the game. Yeah, and – I think defensively, I'm gonna really be watching how our uh, how our secondary matches up against their playmakers on the outside because if we can slow them down a little bit, just a little bit, that's going to be huge. Yeah, it's going to be huge. I mean, we just can't give up huge big plays in this game, and I think we took a big step forward eliminating the huge plays against Texas. Yeah, um, and so we just need to continue to build on that. I tell you, it's so fun watching uh, individual players, but also the players in particular units take steps forward. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really exciting. And, no, I agree. Uh, we I saw agree. it with Texas. Yes, there was a lot that was frustrating about that, but we we saw, I think, tremendous steps taken forward. And I really hope that we can go on the road uh, here again in Morgantown and do the same thing. Well, and it's easy. I think to your point, we're kind of overlooking the defensive side of the ball here in some regards. And I, I think Will Greer was sacked seven times last week. So it's clear when you get wow. some pressure on him, there's an opportunity to to make a difference, to rattle him and to to stifle what is a pretty potent offense. So, And for all the great things that the defense has gotten better at this year, we're still not getting tons of pressure on the QB. Yeah. I mean, f- for sure – you know, Baylor knocked out um, Sam Ellinger, and that was great. I mean, you don't root for anybody to get hurt, but um, you take that, advantage of a situation when you get you, it. Yeah, and and it's great that we were physical there, but apart from that, we've not really been physical with any of the quarterbacks that we've played this year. So yeah, um, be nice to to get some pressure on Will Greer. No, I I totally agree. I think they're they're going to have an opportunity to do that. So man, let's get into maybe a little bit of a pick on this week. I don't know if uh, if 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 there's maybe a couple games that rise to the top. I know Kansas State plays Oklahoma, and and Kansas State's down this year, but they're always a, a tough team. But you know, you got number eight Can- Oklahoma at home, two thirty game on on Saturday. I think the line Oklahoma is, like... is going to roll them, <laughs> going to roll them. Yeah. Yep. I like I, Oklahoma I, big in that game. 
I think, I think the other one that stands out is Texas and Oklahoma State. And again, I think Oklahoma State's had a bit of a down year, but they're playing at home. It's a Saturday night game against Texas. And Texas, to your point earlier, I still think even at number six in the nation, even at six and one, I think they're overrated. So who yeah. you, you got there? Yeah, I'm definitely going with Texas in this game. And and uh, sure, I they, they're overrated at number six in the nation, but um, this is going to be an eight o'clock game. It's on ABC. Uh, and even though I think they'll get the best game from Oklahoma State, I, I like Texas to roll in this one. It's only a three. They're only a three and a half point favorite at this point, which is right. I, I find a little surprising. So, well, you know, I'm gonna, obviously I'm gonna... Oklahoma State has some weapons, and in a primetime game like this, they're going to come out firing. But um, Texas sees this as they should as an opportunity to to just again reassert themselves and say, "Hey, we're back. We're elite again." Yeah, I think that's good. And an interesting one is Texas Tech and Iowa State on Saturday morning. Yeah. And it's not because we're talking about the top two teams in the in the conference by any means, but an Iowa State team that just upset uh, West Virginia, number six team in the nation last week, and then a Texas Tech team that's that's overperformed from expectations, at least up to this point. Yeah, unbelievable. I really thought there was a chance that Cliff Kingsbury could be fired by this point. I think we both predicted that at this point. Yeah. I didn't yeah, think they were so, going to get out of non-conference play with him still having his job, or at least yeah, out of the so, first, maybe, first, maybe second week. Well, just so proves that we don't know what we're talking about and that everything is crazy. Uh, I like Iowa State here, um, but I think it's going to be a close game. I really do. And I, th- I it's just because um, it's in Ames that I, I think Iowa State will win. Yeah, that's the only reason I think I give them the nudge. I think, man, you said Morgantown's weird. I think the Big 12 is just weird. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, there are a lot thing. of places where there's a distinct home advantage. I mean, um, we, we haven't talked about this yet, but the the fact that the Texas Tech-Baylor game uh, is no longer going to be neutral site, but it's going to be Lubbock and Waco. And, and Lubbock is. is a crazy place. It's like Morgantown West. A <laughs> um, little, little more flat. <laughs> little, just a little less mountainy, yes. uh, but but really crazy people out there. So um, yeah, yeah, a lot of tough places yeah, to I, play I'm, in in the Big Twelve. Last game uh, is TCU versus Kansas. TCU's been in the news a little bit lately. Um, we should talk about that a little bit here, maybe in a minute. Yeah, <laughs> uh, what are you thinking? TCU. Kansas has Kansas. been in the news a little bit lately. Kansas has been in the news. <laughs> So this is the the battle of the uh, the headlines this weekend. I, I think I think Kansas even at home, they're just going to get rolled by TCU. So I, I'm picking TCU to cover here easily on the road at, at Kansas, especially coming after last week. Yeah, I've got a weird feeling about this. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, that's all it is. It's a feeling, you know. Um, What'd you have for dinner? I was a bet. Is it? Is it have to do anything to do with that? Uh, I had meatballs at our church dinner tonight, uh, Wednesday night church dinner. It wasn't All great, right. uh, so maybe that I'll blame it on the meatballs. Um, yeah, I think with with the news about Turpin being out, and you know, Kansas is three and four. Um, there's no reason for them to be up for this game. In fact, there are a lot of reasons for them to be distracted, uh, focused on things not related to football off the field things. Um, this is, this is a game where they're going to be looking beyond Kansas. And yeah. 
Uh, I don't think TCU is going to play well here. Um, mm. You know, the, <laughs> I say that. I could totally see Gary Patterson coming out and really using this to motivate his players, and they put a 50-burger on Kansas. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> I just take back everything. Don't waffle. Just say it. Call it like it is, man. <laughs> I will say this. I am a bad person. I'm a bad person. And and so we'll talk about the Turpin thing here. But it, it is just very interesting to see uh, the lack of national outrage yeah. about the situation at TCU right now. Yeah. Uh, the lack of of outrage uh, by the media, the lack of outrage from the Big 12 commissioner, uh, the lack of outrage from TCU fans. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting uh, because we saw a lot of outrage nationally in the media from the Big 12 and especially from the school up north. <laughs> uh, and and so it, I I will just say that that a very sinister, evil depraved part of of jeremy johnson wants to see this go badly for them uh that people be punished bad you know uh suspended fired whatever um it's just really frustrating because uh there's no integrity anymore um and um there's a lot of hypocrisy i mean Mm -hmm. and the media is just even today, another Mac Ingle piece, I, I think it was today, drops on Baylor stuff. And it's on like, Ken Starr. It's like, why are you taught? Why are you so fixated on us and a situation and a story that is old? And this is happening under your own nose, and you're not you're not as fixated on it. I I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. Or I do get it, and it makes me mad. I think that's probably the right frame. You get it. It makes you mad. And it's hard as a Baylor fan where you've seen the level of uh, ridicule, not just in in some of it, rightly so. Let's be real clear. Sure. Like there is absolutely rightly so deserve a a lot of what we've got. But where it has trickled into interpersonal relationships and interactions between Baylor and TCU fans now three, four years after the fact where – you have current players on football team and basketball teams that are traveling into uh, road games and getting heckled and, and, and called just ridiculous names at this stage when they had absolutely nothing to do with it, weren't even on campus any time of, of the issues that took place. Still there. in high school when these things Still happen. in high school. And again, it's, this is not excusing any of it, but it's, it's where it's now become a cultural issue and you've used the 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 downfall and these these really deeply harmful circumstances basically as a competitive advantage uh and and to, and to belittle and berate uh, a competing fan base that's where it's it's really frustrating and the hypocrisy you, you mentioned is is probably the 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 biggest driver of all of it where we're seeing and even as you look at you know even non non true like rival fan bases but how is Michigan State handled? How is Ohio State handled in some of these situations? And those schools are off the radar now. And maybe some of it, I don't know, maybe you have a different perspective because you're a little bit closer geographically to them. Maybe these are still hot topics regionally, no, especially it's, even it's amongst done. rival fan base. It's done. People have moved on from well, Ohio State. They've moved on from Michigan State. They're not even talking about TCU. And you that's know, that's my nobody... assumption is because you still were hearing about Baylor in the national news just yes. all the time. So it's not there's yes. certainly a regional 
factor at play. But when you when you're talking about the national headlines that it created, and this is at the core of this, man, like it, it it's heartbreaking. Anytime you're talking about domestic violence issues, I don't care what team you root for, you can't help but sympathize with victims, especially when it took the this long especially in the TCU case, took this long for the awareness to actually drive any sort of meaningful response from the TCU staff. And and again, we could talk about the Baylor scandal all day long, but putting that aside just a moment and trying to look at this situation objectively, if you really think that no one at TCU knew, knew more of the details about what happened than what they were claiming and what Gary Patterson was waving around in the press conference, if you really think that that's what it was, then if, if, if even if you don't want to call it a cover-up, at least making it look better than it was, it, you're sadly mistaken. And again, we could, we've said yeah, this over and over yeah. again. We're not, I, I'm saying this trying to be as objective as possible. We could talk about a million things in the Baylor closet that reflect similar sentiments. And at least at its core, it relates to supporting victims and punishing perpetrators. But when college football or college basketball or or any college athletics is elevated above law and above safety of general population, it's a problem. This guy should have been dismissed yep. from the team a long time ago. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, I get that people are outraged with the Baylor situation. Uh, but if you're going to be outraged there, um, it, it you need to be outraged across the board when these things flare up. Um, and, and it's just very frustrating to me how people were outraged about what was reported to have happened at, at Baylor. Um, and they were also surprised, like just shocked. So that it was outrage and shock. And I think that people acted that way because they wanted to believe that what happened at Baylor was an anomaly. And if you if you go down that road of just thinking this was a one-off what happened at Baylor, it allows you to turn a blind eye to your favorite institution. Yeah, that's uh, a great and point. That's where the hypocrisy comes in because uh, people want heads wanted heads to roll at Baylor before facts came out because mm-hmm. uh, it, it wasn't about facts. It was about like tribalism. I just want my enemy and my football foe to 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 you know. I, they need to fall on their sword and and all that and it it's not about the truth uh it, it's not about the victims and then when it happens at, at your school uh it's deny 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 uh, right. so it's just frustrating it's just frustrating and it causes me to be very very cynical about um about college football as, yeah. as it relates to this kind of thing well I agree and, and it's it's easier maybe when we're talking about issues of domestic violence or sexual violence. But even comparing it with the issues up at Kansas where you've got some pretty scathing evidence that there's been illegal payments and illegal benefits given to players, which certainly isn't new news for anyone that has any sort of real pulse on college basketball. The the part that's, that's disheartening in it is that it's not just about the love of the game. You really see that this is a business. And when you're elevating individual careers and money and success uh, and fandom even – above fairness, above safety, and ultimately, particularly in the, in the issues of violence, uh, ultimately above the law, you've now entered into a real ethical gray area that I don't think people really are tuning their eyes to, to, to be aware of because your fandom is blinding it. Yeah, and I, I don't even think it's a gray area. I think, it, I think it's black and white, uh, and I think coaches, a lot of these coaches, just don't care. Yeah. They don't yeah. care. They don't give a rip. Uh, and and so that that's that's what was so frustrating about the Baylor thing is is to hear 
uh, fans uh, from other Big 12 schools, uh, to hear fans from SEC schools, uh, the Paul Feinbaums of the world, uh, acting outraged. And it, it was almost like they, they, they were they were parading around their outrage. Who could be more outraged? It was a competition right. to be more outraged than anybody else about what was happening at Baylor so that you could also pretend that it was unique uh, yeah. and that your school has nothing to hide. I mean, uh, it just cracks me up that people are so naive to think that their school has nothing to hide. Um, it's just it's jacked up. It is, and it's pretty good. I've got a good friend who has basically given up on college athletics and is much more in tune with pro sports simply because look, at least the the cards are on the table in pro sports. It is about money. It is about entertainment. And if you're doing something that ultimately is going to cost us money or, it, it, you know, certainly there's perception issues, but action is taken more swiftly. I look at the Denver Broncos. We got um, Chad Kelly, who's one of their backup quarterbacks. I don't know if you saw this, but you know, obviously I follow <laughs> the Broncos closely, but I, 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 I did see it, Curtis. <laughs> this is a guy that, that has a history. <laughs> He's got a little bit of a history. Well, no, the, correct me if I'm wrong, Curtis. But did he walk into somebody's <laughs> home and start holding their baby? Is that something what like that? I don't really know all the details. I mean, I think the details are still coming out. I don't think, but I that's think that, what I'm hoping for: more details. More details. <laughs> About what? Because the details we have aren't damning enough. Let's get more of them. Let's get <laughs> let's get all the deets. That's can we say can we say the best part of the details about this? This is make light of, of scary and really deeper situations, but the homeowner we laugh so that we don't cry. That's it. The homeowner was hitting Chad Kelly on the back with a vacuum hose to get him out. I like that's like oh my gosh, like oh my gosh, it just was like the perfect story. And but at the it's same like a time, scene from Pineapple Express. Seriously, yes, it's seriously, so true. It's just like, oh I'm, no, I'm, there's a home invader. I, I will whack you with my vacuum. It's exactly <laughs> it. But literally, I'm trying to remember when this came out. I think it might have been Monday night, and I I genuinely think I may have gotten this notification on ESPN. <laughs> Uh, during oh, I class, I hope you could find the exact words of the <laughs> notification. That would be great. I'm looking for it literally as we speak, and I can't find the one where they released it. But <laughs> it 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 happened, if I remember right, during my class on Monday night. Like we had like a little break, and I remember pulling out my phone and seeing Chad Kelly, and I opened it up just to get like the three lines that they had at the time. I'm like, and I whispered to myself, I said, you know, he's getting released. Like there's no way that this he's not going to get let go at this point. But to me, that's the difference here where we're talking about serious issues. In college, it's a serious issue, and I think it's more it's easier to rub, push things under the rug um, because it's not just about – we try to make this – the college basketball, college football isn't about entertainment or isn't about money because we're not paying college athletes. It's And so you're almost like you're subscribing to another brand of 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 – of covering these things up or not seeing them clearly at least because it's not pure entertainment and pure money on the line. So Chad Kelly, my friend, I hope, I hope you're able to get your life together, but uh, I, I hope yeah, you'll stop you, stealing babies. Stop stealing babies. And you're going to avoid vacuuming. I think from here on out is, is yeah. the net of it for me, but yeah, this TCU this Kansas stuff. It's, it's uh, yeah, it just, it drives me crazy and it, it's just the hypocrisy from other schools, other fans, Bob Bowlesby. I, Curtis, I think you saw the headline, uh, and, and so correct me if I'm wrong, but basically saying that, you know, we don't 
uh, investigate these kinds of things. And it's like, <laughs> aren't you guys still withholding like money from Baylor? And hasn't like, it been like two years? Like, uh, <laughs> oh my, yeah, I just can't handle the hypocrisy. Well, uh, e- either way, it's still college college uh, football week for us. We still have uh, a big game tomorrow night against West Virginia. And maybe we can at least uh, move past it a little bit and try to enjoy a little bit of the, the good things about college football this week, too. So, Curtis, on that positive note, how do you see things ending up tomorrow night? Man, I'm going to hope to shake the shake the weird tree a little bit and, and hope that Baylor can turn around. But I, like I said earlier in the, in the show, I've got I've got this game as a L pretty much all year, but I think it's closer than I ever have, have thought it could be yep. at, at this stage. So. I still think we win the or we lose this game. I think, I think we. It, it's just even so hard to predict, man. Like this could get, this could get blown out easily early if we come out flat. If we let a couple things slip. If we give up a turnover early, something like what we did with OU. It just it could get out of hand early. But I think to your point, if we can keep it. Uh, close into the second half, then at least we're giving ourselves a chance. So I'm going to bank that we can keep it close going into the second half. That's where I'm going to lean. I don't know that we can get it over the top. I think we we lose this by 10. I think we're we're in the the 52, 53 to to 40ish range. Yeah, I I like I like the the range that you had on that the spread. So I I agree somewhere in the neighborhood of like 30 to 40 I see West Virginia winning. I do see Baylor keeping it competitive into the second half. Uh and I think um you know we we see Will Greer um you know just being a little bit too much for our secondary. We yep. we're we're slightly undermanned in the secondary right now. So I I think uh, he he puts them over the edge, but I think it's another week where Baylor takes a step forward, um, and we compete really well in Morgantown. I I just think we're catching them at a bad time. Yep, I think yep. you're right. I think you're right. Well, man, your your deck is done, so I expect you to be more responsive during the game tomorrow night. Deck deck is done. I mean, people. I mean, it, it was awful. I was building. I'm trying to think if it was in the rain. I think it uh, was. During, Your dad said during, it was in the rain. During the Texas game. So I didn't even watch it live. Um, I watched a recording of it. And um, it was very interesting knowing the outcome and watching the game. And I was just struck by the fact that Baylor outplayed that that Texas team. We, yeah. we really outplayed them. Uh, and the officiating, it felt like I was watching Baylor play Kansas in basketball. I mean, that's what the <laughs> officiating felt like. Um, so... Um, really pl- proud of our effort, obviously made some big mistakes in that game, but it showed me that we are taking steps forward. And I think there are steps that are going to um, be evident when we, when we play West Virginia. Awesome. Well, we'll count on that tomorrow night. Uh, we'll be uh, texting amongst us and we'll be talking about it next week for sure. So man, enjoyed the show. Enjoy getting caught up after a few uh, weeks of <laughs> getting our, working on our strategy. That's, that's what it will say. We'll, we'll take getting healthy and working on uh, our strategy. Yeah, for the just rest getting, of the season. getting healthy, getting healthy. But those are still listening. Follow us, chat with us on Twitter at bear droppings, BU on the Sigma 365 boards. We're available at bear droppings, BU at gmail.com. We appreciate you listening and we will be at you next week. So uh, tune back in at that <laughs> point when we, we drop episode 61. But uh, for Jeremy Johnson, this is Curtis Schroeder and the Bear Droppings Podcast. I'm off till next time. Sick and Bears. Sick and Bears.